Welcome to Mentors by Design. There was a park at the end of my street that was a disaster. I decided to apply for a grant to improve the park. And when I saw the children coming, I started crying. And I just felt this was the greatest legacy of my life this park. When I heard these words, I had to stop and wonder, what would my legacy really be? I would like to introduce a very wise woman, Louise Karch. We all have stories to tell and we all have experiences and you have an amazing story. What really attracted me is your figure skating championship. What an amazing thing to do to be a skating champion. How did you jump into figure skating? What, what drew you to that? Figure skating looks like art and feels like flying and is a really hard sport. I grew up across the street from Eglinton Park and there was an outdoor rink and an indoor rink. I spent a lot of time in that park. Freedom is a world without friction and that's what figure skating is. What drew me to figure skating as a child and what made me a competitor as an adult was that amazing combination of power, grace, and storytelling. How you move that wholeness. You're not on earth anymore. You're someplace different. I like what you said about flying, but I know that feeling and that dedication, extreme dedication to actually pull together what looks like a beautiful, smooth, floating performance. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You spent a lot of time getting ready for a couple of minutes. (laughs) Look, I want to tell you about what figure skating is metaphorically, because, you know, I'm an author, I'm a storyteller, I'm a businesswoman. You are an amazing woman. Your listeners are amazing people trying to do work that matters for people who care. Um, Anna Frank, when I visited her house in Amsterdam, where she, um, that wasn't her house, it was where she was hid on the top, top, top floor. She had a tiny part of wall where she had pinned pictures. And one of the pictures that stopped me and took my breath away, who had pinned a picture of Sonia Henning was a, a famous figure skater. And so a trapped young woman who never reached maturity, her idea of freedom was this woman who was figure skating outside. We all need in us to have a place where we can be wild and free and focused, whether that's writing or painting or drawing or dancing or cooking or, you know, running or whatever your thing is, something will fuel you. And so having a practice, whether it's physical or artistic um, and having 
somewhere in your life where you make a commitment to be the best. Now, that doesn't necessarily, I never competed against others. I didn't care what anybody else did on the ice. I wanted to be my best. I wanted to tell, and I always had a story. My, my, skating, my skating routines always had a story. I wasn't the, necessarily technically the best skater, but because I had a strong story and because I just had this routine, this, some people would call it a prayer practice or a visualization practice, or you know, I had something that I fired off before I skated, I had a whole routine. I knew exactly what to do the leading days leading up to my competition, the day of the competition, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, what to think, what to music to play, how to warm up your habits. The difference between somebody who's excelling and somebody who's surviving is routines, rituals. You mentioned competition and that you really weren't competing against others, but you are competing with yourself to some extent to push yourself further, to see how far you can push yourself? Yes. But when I was young, (laughs) you know, people who are listening to this, there are moments in your life where opportunity knocks on the door and you don't always notice the door. So I did a lot of different sports, but I could, I could pick up things really easily. So I was an archer. I tried archery because my father liked archery and I turned into like this, one of the top archers in Toronto. (laughs) actually had somebody from the Canadian Olympic team invite me to go to a practice and I was too daft to realize that they were sort of checking me out to scout me for the team like but you know and I so I I didn't really get what was going on so but back then I was competitive there was Megumi Fuse this woman who had told me about the book Zen and the Art of Archery and I was competing against her and so (laughs) Megumi and I were often at the first um, target together and at, at that time, I didn't understand competition and I was competing against her. I was like, how can I be better than her? And then when I read Zen and the Art of Archer, I was like, oh, right. Magumi's playing a different game. She's at one with her target. She's at one with her breath. She's like a warrior. She's able to get into the zone. You know, as we evolve, whether it's in the workplace or what have you, hopefully you come to a place of it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It matters how generous you can be, how much joy you can bring to your work, how much um, love you have in your heart, whether you're choosing to be significant because you're trying to overcome a deep wound of not feeling enough, or whether you're just playing with all the toys and opportunities that life throws your way. As I think about what you said, it's kind of, but kind of reaching for a, a perfection reaching for an excellence, reaching for your, your own perfection. And I don't know if you have thoughts or did you experience that kind of feeling when you were skating and even now um, in what you're doing, it could transcend, but I'm just curious. Um, oh, there, yes, Jane, there are moments of transcendence and you can have those when you're writing and I've had those when I'm writing and time just melts and I'm in the story and I'm loving the words that are coming as a skater, uh, I can remember very specific moments where I had what um, Chikanishing would call a uh, flow. And that is where you are at one with the audience, the music, yourself, you are in your body, but you're also beyond your body. <laughs> like, it's just these like, and you're like, whoa. And the, the minute you notice it, you're out of it. But like, so I remember I, there's a move in figure skating called the spread Eagle, where you, you are skating very fast and you are, you're on an outside back edge and you open your hips so that your one foot is 
facing in one direction and then the other foot's facing the other direction and your feet are, and you're moving so fast that you're soaring. Um, you know, the music was in a crescendo and I could see people standing up in the audience as I, as I, I hit the move, I felt that thing. People in the audience felt it too. And people were starting to stand up and were screaming. It was like, <laughs> like wow. But it, I, I didn't have that moment of, oh, look, people are standing up for me. It was just like, we all felt this moment of elevation. We all felt this moment of power and um, grace. And the music was so uplifting and the story was so transcendent that we were all in it together. And that's what the best art does is it takes us from me to we, and it takes us from the finite to the infinite. And it takes us from the temporary to the eternal. And to have had those moments in my life is um, humbling and amazing. And, you know, that's the, that's the prize for getting up at five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning and doing more, more squats that almost make you vomit. Like, you know, so it's the payoff for every single moment that you committed to your craft. And um, some people find that those are the moments where they connect to God or the creator or the divine, um, they call them transcendent, depending on what your worldview is. But yes, I've had those, those moments. And, you know, they can be in the arms of a lover, they can be in the, um, <laughs> for some people, it might be their favorite meal. It's like, oh, you know, or it can be through service. I have a park at the end of my street that was a disaster. As I said, I grew up across the street of a park in Canada. And I'm in Australia now, this park was a mess. I applied for a grant to improve the park. We got a $350,000 upgrade. The park is amazing. And I remember just, you know, when we had this thing called COVID that's gone around the world. And so the parks were closed, everything was closed. We were able to, like, and we couldn't even open it when it was being built and we couldn't open it once it was built. But we had this moment, we were able to open it up and I just saw children coming. And I just had this feeling of, if, if nothing, like I almost cry saying this, if <laughs> maybe, my greatest legacy in my life is that park. I mean, I've done tons of other things too, but the things I'm most proud of is not my individual accomplishments. The things I'm most proud of are the moments where my generosity has created happiness and joy for others and service. You know, it's, it's to live a life of service, not a life, so life of success. They can mix, of course, but yeah, those moments are, are cherished. There's really no words to describe those moments. I think we've all have hit them at some point in time, but it is the ultimate connectivity. I mean, mm. everything is in sync. And I remember walking in the park. It was a beautiful fall day and everything shimmered. Mm. There was just so much beauty in the air and people were pausing and looking. And then finally, everything kind of went back to whatever it was for those few seconds for what it had been. A moment where I think people realize how beautiful the environment was, but it, it can be something that simple, just noticing where you are. Well, the, and those moments can be simple and they can also be deeply profound. As you told that story of how time stops, I was thinking about, uh, I travel by bicycle and train and I was standing on the Newport train platform and I saw this man and my radar sort of like something about him just 
I, I, he was so close to the edge of the platform. I was really concerned. And, and that's one of those, what I call molasses moments. Time gets really stretched out. And I, and I thought, I need to distract this man because I'm not sure he, he's going to jump. So, you know, I went up to him and I, and I just started engaging him. And he, instead of looking at the train that was coming, he engaged me. And um, I just thought like, if I hadn't done that and he had jumped, I would never forgive myself for the rest of my life. But these, these, little, these little neurons fire so fast. And I remember talking to a friend of mine afterwards and she goes, you know, you never know in those moments, but you quite possibly could have changed the trajectory of his life because if he was feeling alone, you gave him connection. And if he was thinking about an ending, you, you stopped, you interrupted a neural pathway that could have been devastating. Now you don't know, but the thing about being present to life is it's, it's a commitment. (laughs) You need to decide, am I going to be the kind of human that's alive and noticing, or am I going to be the kind of human that eats over my feelings so that I'm not paying attention, that distracts myself with social media? Um, you know, I'm working on a project right now on carbon, writing about the Australian bushfires of 2019 and 2020. Those were incredibly painful to witness. Um, we lost um, 3 billion animals. We had 12 countries come to help with our fires. We had um, nine firefighters die, four from the US, 60,000 koalas, 61,000 koalas died. That's a a third of the population, 5 million kangaroos. Like the scale of, it was one of the worst ecological disasters in history. So you can pay attention to what's happening around you, or you can go blind. And I don't think that's any way to live. So it's like, how do you live and enjoy the beauty of the park and commit to picking up plastic to keep the ocean free of plastic and not kill wildlife. Every one of us, whether it's in our professional, personal or community-based lives has to decide what kind of leader we're gonna be at a time in history where we need leaders. I agree, we need, we need leaders, we need present leaders. Leaders who are immersed in this moment, who have the courage to be in this moment and, and the heart, especially now in a um, environment of great upheaval, a lot of crisis, but without heart and the courage to be present, it's going to be hard, I think, for us as a society, a global society, to move forward as, as quickly as we need to, because I do believe we mm. need to move forward quickly. We can't hesitate on this any longer. Yeah, it's, it's presence, it's um, heart, it's courage. Uh, it's can we own our own greatness? Can we see our own greatness in ourselves and others? Well, it's, it's both. It's, can okay. we, it's actually might be three things. Okay. And it's not a conversation for another day. The conversation is now. It's, it's in Western society, we have prioritized the I, the individual profoundly. And that has led to gorgeous works of art and triumphs of technology and so many amazing, wonderful things because we've got geniuses and angels amongst us. But if we're not grounded, so you said greatness, so let's anchor that. If we're not grounded, if we don't have daily routines, like before I spoke with you, I was like, okay, I'm going to do some deep breathing. I haven't done my full, you know, gratitude practice, meditation practice, or I haven't done anything because it's first thing in the morning for me. So I haven't done my routine, but I try to do a little bit of it. If the individual develops their skills 
as much as possible, they can be of greater service. And it's in that capacity to be of greater service that you can connect deeply with people and build the kind of relationships that are going to sustain all of us. If you think of indigenous cultures, um, there are elders who would say, we need to make decisions for seven generations going forward. Community is what matters. Have a meal, dance, sing, listen to the drum, you know, <laughs> like come together. You know, I think of come together right now. Oh, we, for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we we need we need to have community so that we can truly develop our potential and give our gifts as fully as possible. Nothing happens alone. Every book I've written has happened because of a team. Like, and even as a figure skater, I mean, as a figure skater, I had, you know, a jump coach, a spin coach, a choreographer, the costume designer, the music editor, the physiotherapist, the physical trainer, the guy who sharpened my skates was a key part of my team. You know, when I when I won my medal, like like I celebrated everybody who helped me get to the top of the podium because nobody arrives at the top alone. If you think of um, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, yeah, um, you know, Edmund Hillary celebrated him because he couldn't have got to the top without the profound skills that a Sherpa brings to the task. So yes, individual greatness and the problems we are solving now are so complex that if we don't have a sense of community and connection, we're pooch. I think what COVID has shown us, for those of us who aren't overwhelmed by it, is the infinite connectivity that, that exists. It's been there. It's always been there. We've actually had the technology to help us see it better. We are, in many ways, given no choice but to connect. And the more we embrace that connectivity, that wholeness, that oneness that is us all together, I believe we'll be able to do the things that we need to do that we've been put here to do, to make this a better, a better place, a more yeah, inclusive, yes, more equitable, yes, more diverse. It's, it's recognizing that and embracing it. None of us do this by ourselves. We have to do this as a community, as a tribe, a cohort, whatever the terminology is. We need to do it on a global level. Yeah, but when we say that we need to do it on a global level, that's when people leave the room and go eat chocolate because they're like, I don't know what that means. And so you know, when I think of COVID, I live on a small street. I've got seniors on my street. I had a mom who's immigrated here from Russia with her husband who's from British having her first child. So what does, for, you need to be able to look after yourself. Once you can look after yourself, you can look after your street. Once you look after your street, you can look after seven streets. Once you can look after seven streets, so you can choose. And I did that. So my street, I made sure everybody had masks. I made sure Tatiana had the best quality hand sanitizer. Had Australia had the longest lockdown in the world. Lockdown, curfews, one bubble person in your house. It was hard. And so what stopped me from going crazy is service. I need to look after myself. I need to make sure the people are around me. Some people do nothing because they don't know what to do. The world is... We say things like inclusion and diversity, and um, those are massive words. And to really be inclusive, like if all your friends look like you, you probably need to get out more <laughs> and join some different groups. And, no kidding. <laughs> um, um, and figure out 
how you can give your skills and talents to others. But if you don't have a strong center, if you don't know how to look after your emotional home, that's going to get harder because we're going to witness more and more devastation. We're in a time of shifting from an industrial age to the information age to the age of connectivity. Um, and we have to figure out in our own lives what kindness, generosity, inclusion, um, service, success means. And the old definitions of, you know, I, I would say when I was younger, I would think, yay, look at all my awards. But now, as a more mature woman, I hope. I care more about the memories of the times I've had with my friends. I cherish the, the smart decision I had when after my grandmother died, I went and spent a couple of weeks with my grandfather in England. And I'm so glad I did that. He's long gone and he was a great man. So um, I guess if, if I was to say nothing to any of your listeners except this, it would be, yes, be brave, be courageous. And love yourself enough so that you've got a well of goodness that you can offer in strategic ways so that you're lifting those around you up, but without doing it at your expense. Part of the lessons from COVID is understanding that you're at the core of your well-being and as yeah. you are more well in yourself who you are you start understanding your impact on everything around you you're right once we start feeling better about ourselves then everything dynamically changes around us because we are connected but i'm not sure if it begins this way once we feel better about ourselves we start to feel connected i think sometimes it, I, and you know this is something for your listeners to reflect on um we know from the research of martin seligman who is the father of positive psychology not to the the people who are well do regularly and he talks about the practices of gratitude and um, you know, what are you, what are the three things you're grateful for and why it's the, and why, yes, we need to feel better in ourselves, the process of how we feel better. And also if you don't feel better, you can't let that not feeling good or not good enough, stop you from engaging in activities that actually might nourish you, fill your well, whatever metaphor you want to use. Nobody's going to be fine anymore because the world is not fine you will have moments of grace and humor and happiness you will live with a broken heart and a broken world but that doesn't mean you can't have joy and love and laughter <laughs> i i'm going down fighting but i'm also going down having the most fun i possibly can thank you for your kind wisdom i really appreciate you sharing your thoughts from flying when you're skating and i could see how you fly now and many of the things that you do and the things you put your heart to i am so grateful for the sharing of of this moment with you if i close with one 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 last question if you had wings where would you fly to i go home i would um i haven't seen my mom for 2019 
So I would, uh, if I had wings, I would go home and I would have tea with my mom. We'd talk about nothing and everything. And it would be one of the highlights of my life. It's beautiful. I pray for your wings to happen soon. <laughs> Thank you. I can feel them. I can feel them. <laughs> Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you, Jane. And all the best to all of your listeners. Thank you for joining me in today's episode of Mentors by Design. If you are a wise woman or a wise man, or you know of one, I would love to talk to you. If you would like to learn more about my guest, Louise Karch, please see her details in the episode notes. When we share the wisdom that we've learned from our experiences, we change the world, one person at a time. Because we are mentors by design.